Hello everyone, welcome to the Stephen King cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. Once I reviewed each of his works in the chronological order of publication, but Ka is a wheel, it all goes round again, and here I am once more on a new phase of the journey to examine each of the endings of the works of Stephen King to determine whether or not King deserves his reputation for having an inability to successfully land his endings. The focus of the podcast will be to examine the climax, falling action, and resolution of the endings to each of his novels and break it down by character themes, conflict, and plot to determine whether or not it meets the criteria of being an objectively good ending. I will also weigh in on whether or not I happen to personally like the ending. And today I'm here to discuss the ending of Cell. I'm not going to read any uh, any iTunes reviews or listener emails right now. Um, what I'm going to do instead is just dive right into the Wikipedia summary and then get to my thoughts on Cell. So from Wikipedia... Clayton Riddle, a struggling artist from Maine, has just landed a graphic novel deal in Boston when the pulse, a signal sent over the global cell phone network, suddenly turns every cell phone user into mindless zombie-like killers. Clay is standing in Boston Common when the pulse hits, causing a chaos to erupt all around him. Civilization crumbles as the phoners attack each other and anyone in view. Amidst the chaos, Clay is thrown together with middle-aged Thomas McCourt and teenager Alice Maxwell. The trio escape to Tom's suburban home as Boston burns. The next day, they learn the phoners have begun foraging for food and have banded together. Clay is still determined to return to Maine and reunite with his young son, Johnny. Having no better alternatives, Tom and Alice come with him. They trek north by night across a devastated New England, having fleeting encounters with other survivors and catching disturbing hints about the activities of the phoners who still attack non-phoners in sight. Crossing into New Hampshire, they arrive at the Gayton Academy, a prep school with one remaining teacher, Charles Ardai, and one surviving pupil, Jordan. The pair show the newcomers where the local phoner flock goes at night. They pack themselves into the academy's soccer field and switch off until morning. It's clear the phoners have become a hive mind and are, are developing psychic abilities. The five survivors decide they must destroy the flock using two propane tankers. They succeed in doing so. Clay gets to everyone to flee the scene, but the others refuse to abandon the elderly Ardai. That night, all of the survivors share the same horrific dream. Each dreamer sees himself in a stadium surrounded by phoners as a disheveled man wearing a Harvard University hooded sweatshirt approaches bringing their death. Waking, the heroes share their frightening dream experiences and dub him the Raggedy Man. A new flock surrounds their residence, and the normies face the flock's metaphorical spokesman, the man in the Harvard hoodie. The flock kills other normals in reprisal and orders the protagonist to head north to a spot in Maine called Cashwalk. To stop their main objection, the flock psychically compels Ardai to commit suicide. Clay and the others bury him and travel north as Clay is still determined to go home. En route, they learn that the flock killers, they have been, as flock killers, they've been psychically marked as untouchables to be shunned by other normies. Following a petty squabble on the road, Alice is killed by a loudish pair of normies. This group buries her and arrives in Clay's hometown of Kent Pond, where they discover notes from Johnny, which tells them Clay's estranged wife Sharon was turned into a phoner, but their son survived for several days before he and other normies were prompted by the phoners to head to the supposedly cell-free cash walk. Clay has another nightmare which reveals that once there the normie refugees will are exposed to the pulse. He remains intent on finding his son but after meeting another group of flock killers Tom and Jordan decide to avoid the ceremonial executions the phoners have planned. Before separating the group discovers that Alice's murderers were psychically compelled into a gruesome suicide act for touching and untouchable. 
Clay sets off alone, but the others soon reappear, driving a small school bus. The phoners have used their ever-increasing psychic powers to force them to rejoin him. One of the flock killers, a construction worker, Ray Huizinga, surreptitiously gives Clay a cell phone and a phone number, telling him to use them when the time is right. Ray then commits suicide. The group arrives at Cashwalk at a site of half... Uh, of a half-assembled county fair where increasingly numbers of phoners are beginning to behave erratically and break out of the flock. Jordan theorizes that a computer program caused the pulse and that while it's still broadcasting into the battery-powered cell phone network, it has become corrupted with a computer worm that has infected the newer phoners with a mutated pulse. Nevertheless, an entire army of phoners is waiting for them and Clay notices Sharon is among them. The phoners lock in the group's fair exhibition hall for the night, Tomorrow is the ceremonial execution to be psychically broadcast to all phoners and remaining normies in the world. As Clay awaits their morning execution, he sees Ray's unspoken plan. Ray had filled the rear of the bus with explosive, wired a phone-triggered detonator to them, and killed himself to prevent the phoners from telepathically discovering the explosives. The group breaks a window for Jordan to squeeze through, and he die drives the vehicle into the midst of inert phoners. Thanks to a jury-rigged cell phone patch set up by the pre-pulse fair workers, Clay is able to detonate the bomb and wipe out the raggedy man and his flock. The majority of the group heads to Canada to let the approaching winter wipe out the region's unprotected, leaderless phoners. Clay heads south, seeking his son. He finds Johnny, who has received a corrupted pulse. He wandered away from Cashwalk and seems to almost recognize his father. However, Johnny is an erratic shadow of his former self, and so, following another theory of Jordan's, Clay decides to give Johnny another blast from the pulse, hoping the increasingly corrupted signal will cancel itself out and reset his son's brain. The book ends with Clay dialing and placing the cell phone to Johnny's ear. Ending. So we'll talk about it from uh, the climax on. So the climax. Clay returns home, discovers that Sharon has been corrupted and Johnny is missing. Falling action. We head to a cash whack for execution. We detonate the bomb. Resolution. Clay finds Johnny and holds the phone to his ear. So the criteria for a good ending. Does it provide an appropriate conclusion to its characters that is consistent with the characters' actions, conflicts, and themes of the book? Yeah, absolutely. Clay's motivation was to return home while surviving in a zombie apocalypse. This is what was driving the beginning and the middle, and this is what drives the end, leading to the final last words of the book itself. Does it successfully wrap up the plot? Specifically, do the events build upon one another with consistency? Yeah. After the heroes exterminate a large number of the zombies, they are in turn targeted and forced to be shunned by other survivors. They are ultimately rounded up for public execution, but not before Clay is able to turn the tide and blow up the Raggedy Man. With the large conflict resolved, it allows King to turn things to a more personal perspective with Clay and Johnny and wrap things up with a dark, ambiguous little ending. Does the conclusion serve the themes, symbolisms, or motif? I'm not sure if there is a theme, so this is a big fat I don't know. You know how zombie movies usually have a metaphor stapled to it, whether it's Romero on, on race or consumerism or Edgar Wright on relationships? Zombies have become the go-to horror genre for exploring some larger theme, but in this case... The bad phone zombies are just the bad phone zombies. Sure, the novel extrapolates the idea of cell phones turning us into zombies, but aside from that concept, it doesn't really go into much depth, and the conclusion doesn't really make much of a comment on the concept other than the future generation... Well, I guess, yeah, the future generation will be subject to whatever the... Horrifying... Uh, future of cell phone and technology addiction will be. Um, 
it's it's just what's going to happen for the next generations regardless of whether or not we um, try to save them from it so yeah I actually will say that it, it does serve the theme symbolism and motifs I led myself to that one during the answering of that question um, what is the most famous scene in the novel and does it appear in the conclusion of the story again a caveat to this question is that this is not um, doesn't work against uh, an ending um, if the answer if the uh, scene does not take place towards the end, but it certainly helps. Um, and I would say that the opening chaos of the book probably is the um, is the most famous scene in the novel. Are there other factors that we need to consider? Um, I mean, the, the manner in which the zombies round up the survivors is very reminiscent of I Am Legend by Richard Matheson. If you haven't read this classic and have only seen the mid-2000s movie or the 70s Omega Man, please do yourself a favor and read it. It's really good. Um, also, the mind hive with the alpha leading things is um, pretty relevant in the wake of Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, which came out last year on Netflix. Um, so, do I like the ending? Yeah, I do. Um, because of the I Am legend influences to the ambiguity of the final moments i think it's a pretty well constructed conclusion so um is it a good ending yeah i would also say for those reasons it is a good ending so i'm not a huge fan of the book not a huge fan but yeah i mean the ending works um so i happen to like 34 out of 38 endings and 33 out of 38 endings i have said are um are good so again king continues to prove that he actually does know how to end a book. All right, everyone. Um, so if you haven't done so already, head on over to iTunes, leave a review. Um, and if you have any thoughts on endings or anything having to do with Stephen King, write into stephenkingcast at yahoo.com. And may you have long days and pleasant nights. And I will see you here next time where M-O-O-N spells Stephen Kingcast.